Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're back for yet another episode, and I'm here today with a new friend of mine, Casey. And Casey, you know what? I should have asked you before we started to make sure I pronounced your last name correctly. Is it Lund? It is Lundy. Lundy. Okay. I, and I should have known better here, but I, I, I said to you before we got started, I was going to get to know you uh, along with our listeners, and so we're doing just that in a very raw manner, but I appreciate you making <laughs> time for all of us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Nathan. And where where are you right now? Just to give a little bit of context to our listeners. So I am at our farm here just around Calgary in Alberta, Canada. <laughs> right, which is an interesting or particularly interesting to me because of the way that we actually met. So you and I met just about a month, month and a half ago at the United Conference in Phoenix. And I think somebody said, hey, you should have Casey on the on the podcast and <laughs> we we met just like within the span of, I think, like three minutes, I met you and said, let's do a podcast. But your introduction to me uh, was very, very, it was just, it captured my attention because it's very rare an occasion that I ever hear a photographer actually communicate a brand position to me that is, um, number one, clear and concise, that it's communicated in a very few number of words and also sets that brand apart. It actually is something different. And so you said, I'm a country wedding photographer in Canada. And yeah. I was like, first of all, that is, that's as, as concise as you can be, but I would have never even heard of such a thing before. It captured my attention and I said, yeah, we definitely need to do a podcast. So here we are. And I appreciate you making time for our listeners. And we're going to be talking about something that, you know, we, we, we talk about this idea of brand position quite a bit on the podcast, but I don't think we talk enough about how to effectively develop one. And we're going to do just that today. We're going to be talking about how you discovered your your niche and, and how you went about the process then of implementing that in a business model. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But we normally start off with something called a technique for time. And very simply, this is something that you do on a daily basis, maybe a weekly basis that enables you to create a little bit of space for yourself outside of work. What comes to mind? I really really enjoy creating systems in my business in order to give me a little bit more time outside of my business. <laughs> okay, perfect. So I really love 17 Hats, 17 Hats customer management system. I remember when I bought it, I it was so much money to me in my business. I, I was like, oh man, it, when, it, when I buy it in US and it transfers to Canadian, it's going to be so much. But yeah. now I can't even imagine my life without it. I can't imagine printing contracts and mailing them back and forth between my clients. That is so. <laughs> With 17 hats, my clients even have a, a portal that they can go and they can see all their invoices and their contracts and their emails back and forth with me. So that really helps them get all their stuff in one place. Yeah, which is huge. You know, it's still surprising to me how much we do still use paper and we use spreadsheets and this type of thing in 2018. You'd think the technology at this point would enable us to to do the types of things that you're, and actually even way before now, that we would have had the tools that would enable us to do the things that you're describing. But it sounds really powerful. I mean, contracts, communication all in one place. I'm sure there's some automation innate to their workflow there. But what would you say would be the biggest impact that 17 Hats made in your business? Once you started to implement that, you have the system in which you can put all of your client management processes. Did you immediately just get time back throughout your week or what was the biggest change that you noticed? I think getting my time back was one thing, but being able to be so mobile was really incredible for me. I can go just on my phone when I'm feeding cows in the tractor. <laughs> That's awesome. And Oh, yeah. I, I'll be feeding cows in the tractor. Does that count and, as texting and driving? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. When you're going three kilometers an hour, it's like <laughs> just trekking along. Yeah. Um, and then I will be like, oh, man, um, I need to send 
Kyle and Mary a contract. So I'll just like pull it up on my phone and I'll be able to make them a contract, send it, and then send them like a nice email template that goes along with the contract. And it's like, boom. I'm multitasking and I just love that. <laughs> yeah, well, the, and, and I'd like that you point out the mobility of systems like this. You know, one of the things, one of the primary advantages to running our own business is that well, ideally we've created the systems, the workflows, a business model that enable us to be able to not be stuck in an office, right? That was, that was really the whole point of starting a business in the first place was not to be stuck in a cubicle somewhere that we can actually be our own boss, make our own schedule. And taking advantage of mobile tools like that is a really big deal. And, and honestly, it's it's great to see, even in the last couple of years or so, that that has become more commonplace for photographers. But I'm sure that many of us could still take advantage of these tools the way that you are more consistently. And uh, so I think that's a really great example and a good reminder for all of us. And of course, we'll link to 17 Hats in the show notes for those of you listening in. And, and speaking of the show notes, those of you listening in, you're going to want to go to B-O-K-E-H podcast, bokapodcast.com. Check out the show notes. Haley so wonderfully puts together show notes for each and every one of these episodes, including links to the various resources that we mentioned. And of course, we'll link to 17 Hats in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. Casey, speaking of that free time that you create for yourself, you're taking advantage of these systems. If you're not on a tractor, what is something that you like <laughs> to do with your free time? So this isn't going to be a surprise, but I have a garden. Um, it started out as a veggie garden, but uh, the flowers in it have slowly taken over. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact the tractors factor in a little bit because I grow them in tractor tires. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just being in the wedding industry, I see florals so much. and yeah. I've really fallen in love with growing flowers. So that's been a little bit of a hobby for me. And I also show miniature horses with my mom here in Canada. And sometimes we go down to the States to show them. Really? Okay. So like you come down to the fairs down this way? Yeah. So I have trainers that I love. I've got one in California and one in Oregon and uh, they'll train my horses and then I just fly to, to them and we'll show uh, all up and down the West Coast and showing horses is something that my mom and I really love and mm. I love my mom and it's something that we really enjoy together. So um, my, I'd say like my favorite holiday, if I were to take time off for my business, would have to be something related to showing horses. <laughs> now, what is it about the miniature horses? Because, I mean, it's not certainly as commonplace as seeing your, your typical uh, thoroughbred or, or, um, or otherwise. For some reason, uh, the names of various breeds of horses can't come to mind right this second. But... Oh, oh, I know. And I'm six foot one. So people look at me and they're like, miniature horses, really? <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, I'm not a miniature person at all, but uh, I have always loved miniature horses. My huh. parents uh, are rodeo; they were ro we're a rodeo family to begin with, and uh, every single time we'd go to a rodeo and they'd have the miniature horse chuck wagons, I would just be like me and all the other little kids in the audience, you know, that we'd be like, oh, <laughs> mom and dad, we really, really want one. Yeah. But I was dead serious and I really wanted a miniature horse. So uh, before I left for college, I bought three. <laughs> no way. Mm -hmm. and, then and then it's just snowballed from there and okay. I've gotten into the showing and uh, we breed occasionally. Uh, we have... Uh, we just, we adore our horses. It's, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. How do, how big do they get? Like what's a full grown? Oh, 34 inches at the last main hair. So wow, just above my knee. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so crazy. Oh yeah. They're so cute. Well, I'm sure you've got pictures of this on your Instagram account. Yes. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. I try to, I try to share photos of my cows, my horses, my dogs on my Instagram too. Well, and for those of you listening in, you're going to want to check out this feed because it is quite a, first of all, very beautiful one, by the way, Casey, but also a very oh. unique feed. And uh, so, of course, we'll link to this in the show notes as well, but it's just Casey, K-A-Y-C-E-E, -E, and Farm, Casey and Farm on Instagram. Make sure you check that out and then we'll link to that in the show notes as well. 
Talk to us a little bit about learning to be more centered, more present. This is something that I've started asking our guests, and I I think it's a little bit selfish on my part because I'm at a stage right now with work and life where I feel like I need this even more. Is there a way that that you find time or make time to be quiet and and not just outwardly but inwardly as well? Yeah, uh, long-range planning and saying no to overbooking yourself has been a very hard thing for me to learn Hmm. (laughs) with our horse shows. uh, They'll be on a summer weekend and so will my wedding. So I have to pick whether like a year or two in advance, whether I want to show horses on next year's weekend in the summer or if I want to book a wedding. So long range planning has come in handy for that. But I want to have a balance between my farm life and the photography business because I do both. Um, So in the winter, I feed and I care for my dad's 150 commercial cow calf. Wow. Yeah. And then every year I take off, I call it a sabbatical, (laughs) which (laughs) uh, every year I take off three months uh, from March to May to like from the photography work. I don't take any photography work from March to May in order to help calve out our family's 150 cows. And then I, I started booking a mobile massage therapist who comes and he works on my neck and my shoulders after every wedding. No way. Yeah, man, it is life changing. Because if you search for a mobile massage therapist, like you'll be able to find one that can bring their table to you yeah. and set up in your house. Oh, um, that sounds, I, I think that in and of itself is, is worth the, the value of the podcast now. We're going to all be looking for that mobile <laughs> massage therapist. You know, I actually have a, a um, little portable massager for my shoulders that mm. uh, my girlfriend actually gave me. It's, it's from, I think Brookstone sells them. And it's, it's the weirdest looking, kind of clunky looking thing, but you just rest it on your shoulders and you can let it run up and down your shoulders and kind of around your shoulder blades and even up on your neck. And it works absolutely incredibly. And, and I'm going to have to find it so we can link to it in the show notes as well. But way, way better to actually have a human being working on you like that. I think that's really great. Is, are you using a service? You just found somebody locally that, that could do it. I just found somebody locally who could do it. But um, man, I, I just can't imagine my life without it because he just recharges me completely. It makes me like he releases so much pain in my neck and my shoulders. And for those of you that deal with migraines like me, it's just, Mm. Oh, the Monday after a wedding and then you're just get a massage and you're good for the week. And I just like essentially spend my morning in my office. He shows up at noon. I get my massage. He packs up and leaves. I go back to my office and it's just really, supercharged my workflow. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, you know, and there's not only significance there as far as the, the relaxation brought by having your tense muscles massage, but there's something to be said too for human touch. And this is a, a whole different conversation for probably a whole different podcast. But uh, I, I don't think that there's a lot of apprehension. When I've talked to um, people over the years about the idea of massage, because I've gotten countless massages over the years. And I think oh, it's, yeah. it's really, really important. I think it's healthy for us too, just to have, first of all, that relaxation, but also the human touch. And there's a lot of people have apprehension about the idea of somebody else massaging them. And, and again, it's a very loaded topic, but I, I think it's, if you've never had, if, if you're listening and you've never had the opportunity to go get a massage, even if it's maybe as something as simple as going to that kiosk at the mall and getting one, it can be pretty incredible, not only for relaxation, but also just kind of rejuvenation. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up. That's a pretty interesting topic. Again, we could get really, really deep in it, but I'll leave that alone for right now. What's, <laughs> what's one of the most impactful books that, that you've had the opportunity to read? Oh, man. I am not a business book reader, I, <laughs> but I love podcasts. I love Boca Podcast. Uh, I've probably listened to everything that you've done, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love um, Davy Jones's podcast, Brands of Book. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to Gold Digger podcast and Ty's Tech Line. Basically, if I ever have to do anything where I can have my phone just playing, like if I'm cleaning my house or mm. doing dishes or mm-hmm. showering, <laughs> yeah. I have a podcast playing and that that really keeps my brain going. I if I'm driving the tractor, <laughs> I pipe it into the speakers on the tractor. Oh, so. that's great. Oh, yeah. So like I'm learning, learning as I'm feeding cows. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's really great. Well, we'll we'll certainly link to some of those um, those podcasts in the show notes as well. You said what was the one tech tech from Thai or t- oh Thai's tech line Thai's tech uh, line. I don't think I've heard of that one. Yeah, he is a good friend with Caitlin James, okay. and he is the gentleman that does all of Caitlin James's amazing uh, videos for her classes. Oh, okay. Oh, he is unreal. And he shares a lot about uh, technology in his, uh, like, if you wanted to start a podcast, he shares how to start a podcast. And if you want to get into doing YouTube videos, like how you can take a Canon Rebel and make really high quality videos for YouTube for your brand. Uh, So just a little bit different. But the way that he speaks about it is very, for somebody like me who would rather drive a tractor than be on a computer, it's, <laughs> it, it really, it's easy for me to learn from him. You know, I, I was curious, actually, when we were talking earlier about the idea of being centered, uh, do you find it easier maybe than the average person doing city life to, to get away from technology, to remove yourself from your phone or your computer? You're still drawn to it just as much, do you think? Oh man, I am drawn to it. It's, I think it's a generational thing too, but I mean, I still try to like get out on my deck in the morning and drink a coffee, depending on the temperature. Yeah. It's cold. It's cold up here in Canada, (laughs) (laughs) but try to get out in the morning and have my coffee. And the first thing I do in the morning is like put the phone down and just do a a house chore. Yeah. Any house chore, if it's like doing dishes or vacuuming the house, just get one house chore done every morning and it it just makes me feel together mm-hmm. <laughs> and accomplished. Like at least at the very, <laughs> at the very least I've accomplished one thing today. <laughs> no, I get that. There's something kind of therapeutic about, um, I, I don't know, I've, I've found myself spending so much time over the years, the last 10 years, I guess, or so in particular behind a computer and, you know, on the phone and maybe behind a camera and to actually do something, and I, I know this is way more commonplace for your, for yourself than for me, certainly, but doing something that is manual in nature, even something as simple as like sweeping the kitchen or vacuuming or something that requires my hands and some manual labor, I, I think that that really is, it can be therapeutic. And especially for those who are not living the foreign life or not used to getting out and doing that type of work, it's really good to take a break and do that. But I was just kind of curious. I didn't know if, if it, you were more inclined to, to be away from your computer. How much time would you say or what's the balance look like, the split between working on your photography business and on the farm during a week? Uh, depending on the season. In the summers, I just... I am not on the farm that often because I'm just going, going, going with my photography. But in the winters, I would spend uh, the mornings doing chores and then the afternoons working my photography business. And that's like a really nice split. And then when we head into calving, I put down the photography business and that's where I I got them old email templates that really (laughs) helped me out. (laughs) That's really great. That's cool. Well, let's talk about your photography business. Talk to us a little bit about how you got started and maybe how long have you been in business at this point? Yeah. So I started photographing weddings in 2015. Um, I was a bride model for a photographer's styled wedding shoot. No way. Um, Yeah. And then that photographer, her name's Victoria. She is... incredible. She became my best friend and my mentor. And she put her camera in my hands and said, take a picture of something. And I did. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) And ever since then, she's been my cheerleader. And she made me believe that I could be a farmer with a side gig, you know? Yeah, I think, is there something though, about photography specifically that drew you in? Because uh, for me, I, I enjoyed the artistic process. I didn't originally plan on becoming a photographer, but mm-hmm. there was there was something about holding a really cool camera that could take a, a you know there was I don't know it's so funny to think back on. I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but I used <laughs> to take you know I used to take pictures of flowers and and then I managed to figure out how my camera could do this. It was this was back in the film days how it could shoot a double exposure, and I was playing with a double exposure effect and. Um, oh, all these so kind cool. of, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny to look back on now, but there there was an element of creativity, certainly innate to being able to take a picture. But then the idea that I could actually start making money with my camera, um, for me, it was, it was a little, there was definitely some of that, like breaking away from what was expected of me professionally or for my career, for my life, um, from my family. 
And um, so there are a number of elements that played into why I ended up going into photography. But what was it besides that initial experience of, oh, I could, this looks cool on, on the camera. What was the draw? I was always that girl with a camera, like in college at parties, like to the point where it was annoying. <laughs> okay. Even with just like my tiny little point and shoot, I would just hop around and take pictures of all of our friends together. And I look back at those photos and I mean, I was the only one of the only ones taking photos of all of us together. And I've still got that tiny little Walmart album with all the pictures in it. And I mean, the horrible quality photos, horrible. <laughs> so, but, sometimes though, you got to admit, like snapshots are the best, the blurry, crazy, bad lighting. There's something about oh, them. Yes. And if I wasn't there, just the older I get, the more I realize that if I wasn't there taking photos of all of us, we wouldn't have those memories to look back on. Hmm. It's yeah. We look like little kids in the photos. (laughs) Also just on the farm, I see so many things that I, I really like that. I'm like, Oh man, that would be a really cute photo of a cow. So I wish I had a camera and, and sure enough, it just played out that I ended up getting into photography. So you were just kind of naturally drawn to the idea. I mean, first of all, capturing for memory's sake, but then just capturing period the ability to be able to capture an image and be able to look at it later on absolutely huh that's well you know i mean it's it's such a simple notion or a series of notions that drove you into or led you into photography and yet now you're very obviously skilled when it comes to to taking pictures how long did it take for you to kind of grasp the technical concepts behind how to capture a good image a, a good portrait what led you into wedding photography? Talk a little bit about the backstory, if you will. Oh, so <laughs> I it took me forever to understand the exposure triangle. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are out there, my little fledgling photographers, and you are struggling with this, I was with I am with you. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a long time to understand the technical aspects of running a camera. But what was the turning point? Like what was it what happened that made it click? The the best thing some advice somebody gave me was pick the F stop that you want to photograph somebody at. Yeah. So for me that's usually like with a couple I shoot at F two point eight. Keep your F stop the same. Keep your ISO the same, and then all you change is the shutter. That really helped for shooting like backlit clients or like if you've got a cloudy day and you're just adjusting the shutter speed. That was a huge help. And now, you know, I, I take a picture, put my camera down, I'm talking to my clients, and then my little fingers are going and changing settings, and yeah. I'm not even looking at it. And sure enough, it comes out that it's exposed. It's just take tons and tons and tons of photos and practice practice <laughs> for sure well aperture priority is is a wonderful way to to get into things but do you do you still shoot an aperture priority do you shoot fully manual what does it look like now so i always shot fully manual uh and that was something that victoria was like girl you got you can't be shooting an auto you can't be shooting an aperture you'll have to learn an auto that's or great in, manual and that is how I've always shot is just a manual wow and do you find that that has ever gotten in the way of being ready to get a shot like that makes me a little nervous thinking about like what if I didn't happen to dial that shutter speed in right and I'm now taking the picture of you know the kiss at during the ceremony for example like something that's not gonna you're not gonna be able to repeat do you ever get Mm. nervous about that uh you know when I am shooting an outdoor ceremony and it's alternating from blazing bright sun to super, super cloudy. So it's basically like dark and then super bright. That would be a great time for me to use aperture priority. But um, if I'm shooting in a church or I'm using flash, uh, I've been lucky so far. I've (laughs) uh, pretty pretty handy at uh, getting my exposure just perfect. Wow, that's really impressive. Okay, so you're starting to learn the technical aspects of photography, but what actually got you into wedding photography and and how long did it take to get from, I mean, you said you started shooting in 2015, so it's not even been that long anyway, but how long did it take to get from that place of, okay, I want to be a wedding photographer to shooting full-time? Oh, (laughs) I'll just tell you a little story about, really what got me into wedding photography, what the very inception of like how I got into photography. Yeah. So my end game in all of this is to farm. 
<laughs> I'm a fourth generation farmer in my family. Wow. And the Lundy farm just turned a hundred years old this year. We had a nice little celebration. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, you're going to love it. I always tell people my business started because of cows. <laughs> so when I came back to the farm to work a full-time job, I set my sights on getting some cows. <laughs> I shared the story actually recently on my Instagram. Uh, if you scroll and you find the white cows, you'll be able to find it, everybody. <laughs> okay, all right, very cool. So, And it's probably, is it relatively recent? Oh, yeah, I see there's yeah, a series just a few frames recent. down. Yeah, okay, totally. very cool. And what the farm was paying me just as an hourly wage was covering my expenses, but it, you know, buying my groceries, but it wasn't cutting it. Hmm. So I thought, why don't I take those few spare hundred dollars a month along with what I had in my savings and start a business that could one day buy me cows, (laughs) but also give me a secondary source of income. Wow. Okay. So what was appealing to me with photography is that it's so scalable and I can make it work with my schedule. Hmm. And when you say scalable, what do you mean by that? Because that that can mean kind of different things in different contexts. Totally. So I am looking at starting an associate photographer program right now. So I'm considering bringing on some amazing wedding photographers that are willing to shoot for my brand. So I have three amazing photographers that I've worked with and I adore them. And if I have a booking, let's just say June 1st, I'm already booked, but I get a couple of inquiries for June 1st. I consider sending if the client seems like they would, they would work well with my brand. I reach out to these photographers and ask them if they'd be interested in taking it as an associate wedding so they would uh, photograph for that wedding for my brand. So that it's scalable in that way too, where there's like a little bit, uh, I can serve, you know, more people if I was just, than if I just try to do everything myself. Yeah, I like that I can bring outsourcing into my business, like 17 hats or a social media planner or editing your photos I can bring on editing services to help me uh, gain back a little bit more of my personal life or my life to get back on working on the farm. Yeah. My theory is I'd like to work really, really hard in my photography company right now until, or at least until the farm and my cattle are demanding more of my time or su- like supplying most of my yearly income. And then I can slowly start taking less weddings and slowly kind of bumping up my prices so I have less bookings every year. And it's been a really good journey so far, like just trying to budget the money that I earn from uh, my wedding photography company. I've tried to invest back into the farm. So last year I bought 10 heifers with (laughs) with the money my, my, my wedding photography company had paid had paid me that I could spare. And it was, that was, I cried. (laughs) It was very exciting for me to just like buy those 10 cows. And I don't think I've ever been prouder. (laughs) Well, yeah, but the fact that you had created something that enabled you to generate the income in order to then invest in your future. And and I like that, you know, I mean, this is a vastly different perspective than I think that we would, well, I know that, that then we get normally from our guests, which is that photography is not necessarily the end. It's a means to the end, which is being a farmer. And, and so you've kind of, to borrow a cliche phrase these days, get, you've got your hustle on and, and you built this business now that's generating revenue, that's generating income that enables you to work on building uh, a long-term What's I guess you wouldn't even really call it a business. You're just kind of reinvesting the money in in the existing family farm, right? Totally, totally. And just trying to build myself to a point where I can have a really good work. Because I mean, I really, really enjoy photographing weddings. I really love my clients. I love them so much that I don't see me not doing wedding photography or not fo- like taking on clients. In the next, I don't picture myself stopping anytime soon. Okay. I just, I really enjoy it. And it's a really good creative 
release for me, whereas a lot of the work I do on the farm is very grounding and hands-on type work. And and my photography company, I've just, it, it's very freeing to me as like, as I've niched into country weddings and all I shoot is country weddings, farm weddings, I, I have a, a saying where I will photograph um, the, the farm bride, the country bride, the rustic bride, and a city bride with a rustic flair. <laughs> okay. But it's not very often that I photograph golf course weddings anymore. It's all, I, I usually photograph weddings on farms. So we're going to get into how you, how you launched that or developed that niche here in just a second, but I'm still curious. And I know I keep pressing on this question, but you're so matter of fact about things. You've had a business only for three years. You're already generating this kind of revenue for yourself. That's enabling you to kind of build on your long-term dreams. But how did you actually get started? How did you begin to book clients and start shooting these weddings? And I mean, your work doesn't look like you've only been shooting for three years. So you developed the craft really quickly too. So give us like the, the, the two minute version of how you actually got started in the business. Well, I, um, if you talk to my mentor, Victoria, she would be like, it took her forever to figure this out. It was right under my nose the whole time. The second that I realized that the why behind my photography business was farming. I was like, I'm on to something that uh, when I started, when I started photographing my, most of my weddings weren't country weddings. And to this day, I still get a sprinkling of non-country couples from time to time, but uh, you start sharing what you want to shoot. And so it, I start sharing like cows and barns and farm locations and farm weddings on my Instagram. And I feel like I can better serve those clients because I'm a farm girl myself. I understand why it's so important to have the family barn in the photo or uh, why the cowboy boots that she's wearing on her wedding day uh, means so much to her. It's, it's all, I can serve these clients better because I am a farm girl myself. Yeah. And that totally makes sense. But how did you, how did you actually get those clients? I mean, did you just start talking to friends, to family and saying, Hey, I'm going to be a photographer now. And then, then they just started referring people to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And I, uh, basically I would, I would shoot something, uh, really, really incredible. And then I would, that would be something I would blog or something I would share and I would push out. And the philosophy early on in my business, my main marketing bucket, like I call them buckets, uh, you know, if you had an Instagram bucket, a Facebook bucket, a newsletter bucket, my number one bucket for marketing would be my client experience. Hmm. So just like really showing up and, and making my clients laugh and providing a really incredible service just to make my clients an, an evangelist for my business, providing them a reason when they go to their friends, like you've got to, you've got to book Casey for your wedding. Uh, so a lot of my weddings that I have now are referrals. And I've got country brides that are referring their friends who are country brides. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, honestly, it's a bit of a struggle to get the ball rolling. Uh, if you have to, I started doing style shoots that are specifically a groom in a cowboy hat yeah. and a bride in cowboy boots. And I would photograph those and I Smart. would share those. And do you live in a pretty remote area as well? Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky. I am about 15 minutes away from a Starbucks, but I'm in a rural area. Okay, so <laughs> so being in a more rural area, then that probably enables you to be able to to really hone in, focus in on that local community, and develop a client base pretty quickly, right? Oh yes, uh, we're lucky that we're an established farm family here. So uh, a lot of our friends and family and neighbors, they all come to. A Christmas party or birthday parties. And so they all know, I usually bring my work to share with them at, at gatherings and everybody, we all look through the photos and um, I've gotten quite a few referrals from my rural neighbors and family and yeah. friends too. That's really, really great. Okay. Well, we're going to come back to that niche again here in just a second, because it is an interesting point of conversation and you set such a wonderful example with it, but Talk to us a little bit about the toughest lesson that you've learned as a business owner so far. Oh, 
the the hardest lesson for me what I, I have a a bad problem with taking myself very seriously. <laughs> do you really? I, are you serious? Oh, I totally do. Like I am a little bit of a perfectionist. Okay, and I. Your, your laugh is deceiving then because like you have, I, I was saying earlier to you that you've got the most um, just contagious laugh. It's wonderful. You're constantly laughing. <laughs> and the yeah. last thing that I would assume is that you take yourself too seriously. Yeah. I, I, it's a, it's an entrepreneurial type spirit in me that sure. I, I really want, I, I get pretty upset if I fail or plans don't go the way that I want them to. So I think the hardest lesson for me was to give myself grace. And I've accepted that in order to balance the farm work and my photography work, which are two separate, totally separate things, and at times it feels like two full-time jobs, something has to give in there. I had to take a hard look at what actually made me happy Mm -hmm. in my business and make some hard choices. So... For instance, I really love Instagram and social media posting. Uh, I use Planoly to share everything sure. and, and schedule all my posts. I love doing my own bookkeeping, and I really love working with people. But blogging is really hard for me. Hmm. There's something about every blog post is about a five- or six-hour process for me. And, and this year, I gave myself the grace through not to blog throughout the summer and fall and my busy season. And instead I saved that work for the winter and it feels really great to not have that sitting on my shoulders that I'm not blogging the Tuesday or the Wednesday after every wedding in the summer. And I felt really guilty about that, that I was like failing as a business that I was um, not able to get that done in my business and it would just weigh me down and yeah. just giving myself the grace to be like, you know what, Casey, it's going to get done. If you have to do it a little bit later, done is better than perfect. Yes. Your business should be working for you and making you happy. And yeah. the second that your business is making you miserable, things need to change and you need to give yourself the grace to not compare yourself to every other photographer or overfill your plate. Yeah. And giving myself the grace was quite the lesson to just it, let it go. <laughs> no, that's that's really, really good. And honestly, this is something that I, I mean, I, I struggle with with the feelings of, of being a perfectionist and all that comes with that. It's been a pretty significant struggle, actually, over the years, and it's played out in different ways. Uh, unfortunately, on, on a negative in a negative way, but also, I mean, it has its benefits too. It's good because I think we tend to try to push ourselves to be better pretty consistently, and that's a great thing. But it can become exhausting not only for ourselves but others around us when we when we go too far with it. And um, I think it's a good reminder that first of all, we don't have to do everything. You know, not only because we have resources that enable us to be able to delegate or to outsource, but we don't have to do everything or everything as perfect as we see everywhere else. This idea of perfection is, is really a misnomer and, and we do have to give ourselves a little bit of a break. So I love that reminder and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to us about something a little bit different too. What is in your gear bag? Um, I think I may have noticed some Nikon gear on your Instagram. Was I seeing that correctly? Oh, I'm a Canon girl. Are you? Okay, maybe I got my hopes yeah. up. <laughs> uh, so I... End up, I have a Canon 5D Mark IV and a Canon 60. I love the 60. The 60 <laughs> is immortal. It is such a great camera. What do you love a- so much more about the 60? Man, the 60 was, I built my business with the 60. I would say that. And then as soon as I could afford to upgrade to the Mark IV, I did. And, and I immediately noticed an upgrade in the data retention and mm. the color and um, low light, low light, especially low light. I never have a problem with my Mark IV not focusing. But the 6D, I think I'm just so emotionally attached to it because it was it, – it, really built my business. Hmm. But I do 90% of my work with a 70 to 200 f2.8. Nice. Oh, yeah. A lot of people, uh, I mean, all of us are different. We all have our different styles. (laughs) That's true. I have a very boisterous 
coaching style when I'm asking for my clients to like walk towards me and walk away from me and like go belly button to belly button. And I don't mind being way, way back because I'm loud. (laughs) (laughs) They they don't have a problem hearing me. And then everything else in the bag. I'm a huge fan of the Sigma Art Series lenses. Mm -hmm. I have the 35, the 50, and the 85 Art. And I swear, if Sigma ever comes out with a 70 to 200, oh my gosh. (laughs) If they come out with the Art, I You'll be first in line, huh? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I love the seven-year warranty, and the glass is really comparable. I just, I love it. It's amazing. Y'all are making me a little bit jealous here. We've had a number of guests on now that have talked about the Sigma Art Series, and I've never had the opportunity to shoot with with one of them before, so I'm going to have to get my hands on one at some point, but... It sounds sounds delicious. (laughs) They are crispy. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, I want to jump into our kind of primary focus for today, which is this idea of creating a niche for ourselves. But I I was reminded of something. I I actually lost my train of thought when we were talking about being perfectionists. And I think it's important enough that we come back to this this idea. And um, what what I was thinking in regards to dealing with our perfectionist tendencies as artists um, is that it's easy to get kind of stuck in the weeds and fixate on something as perfectionists, as artists, whether we're you know editing images or we're trying to dial in the the copy for a blog post or whatever it might be. And I think what can help with that perspective and help us get out of the weeds and take a step back and gain a little bit of perspective is keeping our eye on the bigger prize or the bigger picture view, as we talk about on the podcast, the, the long-term overarching goals and ask the question very simply, is this thing that I'm obsessing over right now, does it actually matter that much when it comes to reaching those longer-term goals? And for photographers that don't have those in place, uh, it is extremely easy to get lost in the weeds and to kind of function haphazardly on a day-to-day basis in your business. And that perfectionism can get the best of them, and they can obsess over how their work looks like, you know, looks compared to somebody else and how their blog sounds compared to somebody else. But keeping our eyes on the bigger picture view, on the bigger picture goals, overarching goals that are driving why we're even doing this in the first place will help us kind of step out of the weeds and get over ourselves a little bit. And I I can only say that because I'm a perfectionist as well. Uh, What do you think about that thought process? I mean, knowing that you're working toward these longer term goals running the farm, has that helped you with your perfectionist tendencies at time kind of step out and say, you know what? I mean, like you were saying, I can't do everything. I certainly can't do everything perfect. I need to just move on and focusing on doing what I do best and, and moving my business forward. Yeah. I think that putting the the systems in place and also uh, just trying to retrain your brain. When I catch myself obsessing over my Instagram followers and trying to set I, th- I think that trying to say, well, I'm not a successful photographer unless if I have 2,000 followers is, is just so not true. And whenever I catch myself either comparing myself to other photographers' work or trying to like set these goals of like you're not worthy unless if you are able to get to this certain amount of followers right. or if you're able to get like 20 weddings booked a year, which I mean, I've never been able to do, then you can get down on yourself super fast. So what I've tried to retrain my brain to do is there are things in your business that you can focus on instead that will benefit you in the long term. So if I catch myself obsessing over my followers, then it's time for me to hang out in my Instagram planner and instead instead spending all that the sad energy around, oh, well, I don't have 2,000 followers, spend that time in my Planoly scheduling posts. Yeah, doing Um, something proactive. Exactly. Just training yourself to do things that are proactive and business building things. It'll really help get your mind off of these perfectionist tendencies that are dragging you down. And you're going to feel really accomplished because you're doing something. You're you're funneling that energy into something that's going to, to... to put you ahead. Yeah, I would I would yeah. think that I think that that's a big part of it. I think the other thing too is perspective, right? You mentioned the idea of success and success being tied to whether or not you had 2000 followers and the reality is success is 
really what we want it to be. So mm-hmm. again, going back to that idea of keeping our keeping our eyes on it's such a cliche phrase, really, but keeping our eyes on the prize or, or keeping our our focus on our longer term, bigger picture goals. What was it that I was actually setting out to accomplish in the first place when I started my business? And you know that could be on a on a kind of an emotional psychological level, that could be in a financial level, uh, whatever it might be. Get back to focusing on that because whatever you're doing step-by-step that's leading you to accomplishing those goals, that is your personal success. And that's what matters more than followers and anything else for that matter, because everybody's definition of success is going to be different in one way or another. It doesn't, success doesn't have one definition. And I think that we need to set that, that misnomer aside that success equals, you know, whatever. We just have this idea in our mind that success is this particular thing. And the reality is it can be different things for different people. What is your definition of success? And that's what matters more. And uh, so I just had to come back and comment on that because I think it's really important for those listening in if, if you struggle with the perfectionist tendencies, you find yourself kind of getting weighed down in the weeds of running your business because you're, you're fixating on this little thing or that little thing and not actually focusing on building your business, running a successful business uh, by your definition, then um, it, it's going to be easy to get burnout, get frustrated, particularly with yourself. And uh, I, I know what that feels like. So I would encourage everybody, be really clear about your long-term goals set your sight on those long-term goals and let that drive your day-to-day actions. It'll be so much more fulfilling that way. And so I I had to come back to that. Thank you, Casey, for sharing your perspective on that too. Let's get back to the niche topic and your, your website. I mean, the first thing that you see when you go to your website, it says for the undeniably country at heart, if you've got a bit of hay in your hair, cowboy boots on your feet and barn chores to do, this one's for you. Um, I, we've talked a little bit about how you got, uh, how you landed on this niche to begin with. I mean, you, you're in the community, but I love the clarity with which you communicate that, that brand position, who you're actually serving, who your target client is. How did you come up with that copy or is that something that somebody helped you with? So this is a, my website is a template from Tonic Site Shop. Yes. Uh, huge fans. Yeah, Jen and Jeff designed it. And if you go and search Jack and Rose uh, template on the Tonic site shop, your hair is going to get blown straight back. (laughs) It is a East Coast preppy template. Yeah. That I bought and I flipped it. That's awesome. (laughs) I, I was like, let's make it so right on the front page. If you are a front farm bride, that phrase, if you've got a bit of hair in, hay in your hair, cowboy boots on your feet and barn chores to do, this one's for you. You're going to get sucked into that. That is – I'm speaking a farm girl's language when I say something like that. So the fact that we are able to flip that East Coast preppy template and take kind of a a design idea in mind and totally flip it in a different direction. That was really exciting. When I was doing some brand discovery, uh, so when I was trying to decide, uh, I mean, color palette was really easy for me because I love bold colors, but trying to pick some design elements and the fonts, uh, what really helped me was I found some old patriotic posters uh, from World War One and World War Two. So, in World War One, the Department of Agriculture in the United States released these patriotic posters with yeah. illustrations of home gardens and canning and chickens. And the posters would say something like, "Canning is so easy; even a child could do it." And Uncle Sam expects you to keep hens and raise chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you had great soil in your backyard, you were expected to turn it into a garden. And if your soil was poor, you were expected to raise chickens in your backyard. And I was just so inspired by that. I mean, I wonder where it all went over, you know, over time, because certainly you can't have a backyard full of chickens anymore if you live in city. But I think that the essence and the spirit of those posters can be found in my ideal client. Uh, Those posters spoke to me and I I had a feeling that my potential brides, my couples would really see themselves in those posters and those phrases. Uh, So a lot of the design elements in my sites are 
vintage illustrations similar to those World War One posters. Oh, okay. And whenever I mail something, I wrap it in craft paper and I use jute twine and like box filler that looks like hay. Yeah. Jen and Jeff, they know my website as the chicken website. <laughs> <laughs> they are just like so floored that, I, that we were able to like make this website so country. Um, did you, did you work with them to develop the look and feel of the site and work on the copy or is that something that you did with, uh, did on your own? I mean, you talked about this, this process of brand discovery, who, who was involved in that? I have a really great designer. She kind of folded her design company. She lives here in Canada too, but she really, she made me design like a Pinterest, pulling images from Pinterest and design elements into just a document, a one page document, five images that really spoke about my brand. Cool. And then I sent her that and then we picked a color palette and she was able to like swirl it all together to make this website. <laughs> and uh, like even my website logo, uh, my logo, it's a chicken logo and it looks like an old fashioned egg carton stamp. Yeah. And usually, I mean, my brand message translates directly to the clients, my ideal clients that I'm trying to attract. And usually at my client consultations, we end up talking about farming or a lot of my couples hunt. So we talk about hunting and we talk about their dreams and aspirations when it comes to their farming or their country life. And my hope is that my ideal client will go to my website and think that she's hit the jackpot by finding somebody who understands her. Hmm. That's really good. Okay, so but then that copy, did you write that copy, that tagline that I that I just read a second ago? Did you write that yourself or did you also get some help with that? So I believe, I should pull it up right now, but uh, in the Jack and Rose template by Tonic Sight Shop, they had something very, very similar on the front page of the Jack and Rose website okay. here. I've got it. I've got it right here. And I saw that and I was like, there's a way I can take that copy and flip it. Yeah. So, for, <laughs> so are you ready for what they have? Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> for the undeniably preppy at heart. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a bit of that London style meets J crew fun meets Ralph Lauren elegance, this one's for you. <laughs> I, oh yeah. And I was like, Oh girl, that ain't gonna work. No. <laughs> So as a, trying to take that copy and like flip it to make it something country was really fun. And, <laughs> and I love it. I love that. Well, you did that a beautiful, copy. beautiful job with it. How do you on an ongoing basis, though, clearly communicate this brand? I mean, it, in a way, it speaks for itself. You've done a good job. And, and certainly with the help, it sounds like of, of Tonic, of putting together a site that effectively communicates your brand, your brand position that reaches your target client effectively. But then on an ongoing basis, how are you communicating that brand position to who you want to attract and then maybe even repel those who you don't want to attract? Absolutely. So uh, bringing on Planoly, the the Instagram scheduler that yeah. I love, I used to get so stuck that I would share a photo of a ring, a ring shot. And I'd be like, well, I have to talk about what's in the I have to talk about that ring. I have to talk about what the photo is. And it would scare me so much because every wedding that you go to is an amazing once-in-the-lifetime wedding. All the clients are always so wonderful. The story is very similar with all my weddings. Uh, there might be like a few different... Uh, I mean, every wedding is a little bit different, but I find it really hard to really talk about a picture of a ring and, and keep it talking about that ring. So what I started doing is I, in the notes on my iPhone, I have a list, like literally a scrolling list of funny little thoughts or stories that I've experienced on the farm okay, and, or like my life experiences, funny life experiences. And I keep those on my phone and those are prompting topics. So for instance, do you sleep with or without socks? <laughs> I can't, I can't sleep with, I can't sleep with socks on. And that will be something yeah. that I would share on my Instagram. And I mean, the picture won't relate anything to the copy but I get so much more engagement and I'm able to tell a brand story by sharing a funny story with calving 
or a story on the farm that I experienced. Well, I actually pulled up one of your recent posts a couple of posts ago. You actually posted, tomorrow will be a busy day for me. I'll be doing an interview on my brand with the Boca podcast and then Preg checking cows at 1 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Which is hilarious, but I, I love how you're sharing both the photography brand and then tying in your farming to it. I mean, it's very, it feels very personal and it's kind of, I mean, especially for somebody who doesn't know your world, it's totally random. And then they're probably naturally curious as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like sharing little stories about, um, the, the bottle calf I'm working with right now, or just sharing truly stories from the farm it helps people get to know me but also I want my Instagram to be a place where I have a following and a fan base that they might not be even dating somebody yet or they might be dating somebody but they're not engaged and I want them to feel they might not even be thinking about getting married but they're going to follow my page because they really love my stories and my pictures and sure enough when they do get engaged I might be at the top of their mind for booking um just cuz they might have followed me so long and gotten to know me through my stories that I share yeah I mean I have this year has been such a game changer in my business because uh, I really kicked up my Instagram and my social media and I stumbled upon this concept of sharing about myself and I don't have to necessarily talk about what's in the photo. Hmm. Um, and through that, I get brides that email me and they're like, "We are you available for my wedding date? And I say yes. And they're like, where do I send the check to? Really? <laughs> they are just pre-approved clients in a way because they – They've been following my Instagram and they know the, the me and they know the stories about my brand and and they already know that we might get along and sure enough, we go to a client consult and we end up giggling and laughing and talking about farm stuff and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> so I mean from every year, my client base just gets more and more niche. And so much of that has to do with the the language, the copy that you're writing. I mean, you're, you're being very personal, but you're also keeping it consistent and its theme tied to farming, correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking the way that I speak. Interesting. Write it, writing the way that I speak. Hmm. Uh, I'm a very informal, the way I speak. So uh, just giving myself the grace, there you go, the grace again to just be myself. Yeah. And I know that there's probably people that wouldn't hire me for my wedding because I'm more casual and uh, giggly and <laughs> uh, they might just want like a little bit more of a formal experience. And that is totally fine. Yeah. But if you just give yourself the grace to share yourself, your personality is the most individual, most unique thing about you in your business. Mm, yeah. uh, so if you can leverage that, um, you're just going to find so much happiness within your business because people are loving you for you. Well, I, I think this is, a, and I think you summed this up beautifully, and it's a good way for us to to kind of conclude our conversation today. But there's an interesting coexistence of ideas here and the power of your brand. And you really just, you, you've summed it up brilliantly just now. But number one, you have clearly found the thing that you are, that you just love, that you're crazy about, that you're passionate about, and that is farming. And mm -hmm. you've you've leveraged that passion for the sake of your photography business. You've targeted those who are in that same world, and you're able to speak their language effectively, which only endears them further to you. But then simultaneously, first of all, you, you've found a very clear target market, right? And, and you're very clearly and effectively communicating your brand position to that target market. And you're way ahead of the game, just, just in that realm. Um, it, you're so much more clear, so much more concise than the average photographer when it comes to this idea of establishing a clear brand position. But then, and, and the thing that you said at the end, the thing that is most unique, I mean, when it comes to marketing effectively and efficiently and easily marketing your business, you've got to be able to communicate what your business actually does. It's, you, can't, you can't very easily say, hey, come hire me. I'm a cool person, right? A lot of people are going to try to do that, and that's not going to actually set you apart. So you've come up with a really distinct brand position that represents the service that you offer. But you're totally right. At the end of the day, your personality is going to be the most unique element 
of that complete service and letting that play into the marketing material, the copy that you write that represents your business, I think is really wonderful. I love that you've kind of set aside the formality, <laughs> the formalities just in general, and you're just being yourself and, and that is shining through and it's ultimately working for your business. And I have to give you major, major props for that. And, uh, I mean, the way that what you've established as a brand, um, certainly stood out to me and I, I think it's going to be a wonderful example for our listeners too. So I really appreciate you making time to share with the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much, Nathan. That's uh, really kind of you to say. Um, well, <laughs> I no, I mean, it. it's seriously, you, you've set a wonderful example for all of us. And do share one more time, if you don't mind, where our listeners can find you online, your website. We've mentioned your website, and I, I didn't share the URL earlier. So if you can share that in social media again, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. My website is www.caseyann.com. My name is spelt very uniquely. My <laughs> my mom named me Casey because she thought that if I ever became a rodeo queen, I'd be able to uh, just quickly sign my name with a K and a C. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, but it is spelt K-A-Y-C-E-E. Uh, so caseyann.com. Oh, or you can follow me on Instagram and follow my farm stories at caseyannfarm. Casey Ann Farm. That's perfect. Yep. Okay. So we're going to link to these in the show notes as well. For those of you listening in, Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. You can check out all the resources from today's conversation. Thank you again, Casey, for making time for the Boca Podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. I will see you next year at Show It. Perfect. <laughs> Show It United. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com dot com.